All month long in the, in the month of March, we've been looking at this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, and, and we've been working through this prayer uh, that Paul prayed. In fact, we've been praying this prayer, and it's a prayer uh, that you and I would better know and understand the love of God. And there are four dimensions that Paul mentions and prays in that prayer about the love of God, how wide and how long and how high and how deep it is the love of God. And today I've asked my friend Willie Robertson to come and to speak about the incredibly high love of God. And some of you at some of our campuses, you grew up in a home or in a place where the word high has a different connotation all together, right? And uh, that's not the kind of high we're talking about today. And, and you say, you shouldn't know what that means. You're a pastor. It's because I'm a pastor. I know what that means and, uh, and understand it. But we're going to talk about the high, high love of God. And, you know, when we sing songs about love, it's not uncommon at all for us to put the word high into those songs. In fact, I want to play a few clips for for you, and the ones you know will tell me what decade you were uh, born in. Uh, but, But listen to this one by Jackie Wilson, I think. You know it? Raise your hand if you know it. This is 60s, I think. Sing it if you know it. Your love lifted me higher than I ever been lifted before. So keep it up, quench my desire, and I'll be on your side forevermore. That's like timeless, isn't it? I mean, it's timeless, 60s. We sing about the higher, higher, higher love, right? And and we know love goes higher. In fact, there's another one I want you to hear. uh, I think 80s, Steve Winwood, I think. Hear the fake drums? Synthesizer. You know it? Probably the greatest generation of music of all time, 1980s, right? Now, l- l- let's do one more. It's a duet. I wish Meredith would come up here and, and, and uh, do it with me. Come on, come on, come on. She had no idea I was going to do it. Come on, Meredith. You'll know it the moment you hear it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Meredith, Meredith. You'll know it the second you hear it. You'll know, I promise I, I knew what songs I picked. She has no idea what songs I picked. Play it, guys. You play the female. <laughs> turn your back to me. And you, you, you turn and sing, and I won't be looking. Come on. Sing. Now you turn. All I know is the the way way I feel. And it's real. I keep it alive. Come on, join in. 
We've been singing songs about higher, higher, higher love. But do you know that that all comes out of the heart of God? Psalm 36, 5 says, your love reaches to the heavens. I was reading that in my quiet time a few weeks ago and, and texted Mac Powell of third day and just said, hey, man, you've been ripping off David for a long time. And he said, I love to rip off David. He's my favorite one to rip off. Right, your love reaches uh, to the heavens. The love of God is so high that it fills the skies, right? It goes all the way up. In fact, it goes over in Psalm 108, verse four, and he says, your love is higher than the heavens. In other words, it fills the skies and it keeps on going and going and going. And we can sing things like uh, about high love and, and, and a higher love that we're looking for. And, and you hear the statement, God loves you. And you hear the phrase, Jesus loves you. And that can pass from my mouth to your ears and do nothing. Because that phrase, Jesus loves you, you've seen it a million times. You've seen it on billboards, on bumper stickers, on t-shirts, right? It's, it, it's all over. In fact, we've heard it so many times that it's kind of lost its meaning. Jesus loves you. It, it's almost like you hear the phrase, Jesus loves you, and you're like, yeah, thanks. Can you pass the salt? And, and we just move on from it. And if you hear that phrase, Jesus loves you, and it doesn't stir something in your heart, then maybe you don't understand how high the love of God is for you. And I pray by the end of the day today, you will know how high the love is. Put your hands together and welcome my friends, Willie Robinson to the stage. What's up? How y'all doing? Alex, I don't know what I just saw. I would destroy you in a lip sync battle, believe me. <laughs> I'd destroy. <laughs> I was like, how am I gonna follow that? <laughs> I didn't know y'all were gonna do that. That was pretty awesome. Uh, I am so excited and encouraged to be here in uh, Tulsa with you guys, and I'm just encouraged by all the good things that I hear about what's going on uh, at this church that I'm not quite sure what the name of it is, but um, <laughs> uh, but I'm happy to be here. Um, today I'm going to talk about uh, a few things. I want to tell you a few stories, and uh, but really talking about um, evangelism and sharing our faith, and uh, which is something that I love. This is my favorite topic uh, that I like to talk about uh, is the transformation of people's lives going from not saved into a saved situation. And so uh, it fascinates me. And I think by the end of it, you'll understand why it fascinates me. But I've always been um, encouraged by that. And uh, but I don't like the word evangelism. I, th I think sometimes in church we take words, we take a concept and then put a fancy word on it. And then no one knows what the word means. And so I'm a simple guy. So, uh, and then we're not sure, because if, if we're talking about evangelism, then you need to have an evangelist, and then, so, and then it's like, oh, somebody's doing that. But I really think it's for all of us to share our faith. The Apostle Paul talked about that over and over, about he would pray and think about how his words would come out, how he would share the mystery of the gospel. And so we're going to talk about the concept of one person just helping another person. And that's it. And um, I will say, yesterday I was—we uh, went and played golf uh, at Southern Hills. Uh, it's a famous golf course. I was really excited to get to go. I have the shirt on uh, from there because I forgot my shirt, so it was gonna. 
<laughs> I was so excited too because uh, have anybody seen the commercials on the untuck it shirt? Like the guy, his passion in life, which I thought was so fun. I was like, his whole passion was to have a shirt that looked good untucked. That was his whole passion in life. And I was like, God, how misguided is this person where your only passion is how does my shirt look untucked? So I bought a bunch of the shirts uh, because I was so moved by the commercials. If you buy those shirts too, they run a little slim, so you may want to upsize. <laughs> Corey bought me a box of them, and I put it on, and it didn't look good untucked because it was too tight. So we sent those back and got some some bigger shirts, and uh, and then I ran off and left it. But you know, I worry about pastors, and I worry about that, you know, they kind of have a cushy job. And so I worry about, do they work enough? And so do they play golf too much? And so I, I played golf yesterday with your pastor. And um, I can tell you, you're in good hands. Your pastor is pastoring. He's not playing golf or practicing golf, okay? <laughs> that man is in the word and it was a foreign concept for him. We're, I said, we're going to talk about power today. We're going to talk about the power of the message. And he said, did you think about power when you saw my golf swing? No, no, no power. <laughs> it was very uh, juvenile the way he swung. So <laughs> I told you yesterday, I, was, I can't wait to get up in, in your pulpit and talk about how bad a golf you are. Uh so the concept of uh, someone helping another person, uh, I'll tell you what, anybody own an RV here? Any RV owners? <laughs> Good, I'm one of those people. And um, so I bought an RV, it was for sale at a church parking lot, I bought it, called Corey. I said, Corey, I just bought an RV. She said, you did what? And I said, I bought an RV. We're going to be an RV family, we're going to travel and do stuff. But I didn't know how to drive it, I, it was... They're really big. And so, so I took this RV. I didn't know how to drive it. She said, where are you putting it? I said, it's in the front yard of the house. She said, it's not going to stay in the front yard of the house. So um, I had my buddy, and we, we took it up to Nashville. We were going to do a show, and uh, uh, we were selling stuff. This is before the TV show and uh, right before. And uh, we were driving up there, and he needed uh, to stop at Walmart, and I needed some coffee. So he drops me off at Starbucks, and then he goes into Walmart. So I leave Starbucks. I go to the RV. It's locked, and I can't get in. So I just sit on the curb. Uh, I think it was a Sunday morning, actually. And I'm sitting there drinking my coffee, and this, this car pulls up, and he's looking at me. And I'm just sitting there, and he said, hey, buddy, are you okay? <laughs> I said, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. And he said, uh, do you need anything? <laughs> no, I'm good. He said, do you need any food? <laughs> and I kind of smiled and I said, no, I, I'm good, man. Thank you, though, for asking. Um, so apparently he thought I was without home. Uh, <laughs> my brother Jace calls that facial profiling. Uh, <laughs> I said, no, man, I'm okay. Thanks for asking. I'm good. And uh, so he looks around the RV, and I don't know, the RV's been on the show, and there's pictures of us, and there's a, like a 10-foot picture of me on the side of the RV. So he looks at it, and he goes, he looks back, and he looks at the RV, and he goes, is that you on the side of that RV? I said, yeah, man, I'm just waiting on my driver. He said, I guess you are okay. I said, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, buddy. Thank you for asking. <laughs> but it was one guy trying to help another guy. And uh, I've told that story all over the country. And uh, that guy, I was thinking about this morning, that guy has no idea that I'm telling this story. That <laughs> so he goes home and he's like, oh, I saw a homeless guy, I thought. And then it turned out to be not a homeless guy. Uh, but that one stuck with me about somebody helping someone else. And uh, in the book of Acts, uh, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible, so it's the Acts, uh, Acts of the Apostles. So these are actions going on. So we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the gospel of Jesus being born all the way to death. And then in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus takes off, and then it starts showing how the church uh, acted and what they did and how they grew. And so it fascinates me. 
it's the only it's the only book we have that kind of explains this. We have one book that kind of takes it from Jesus there. We have letters written about, you know, to churches, but this one actually tells what happened once Jesus left. And so I'm fascinated by how did these guys who hung out with Jesus, who saw his ministry, who saw him put to death and saw him resurrected, how did they then go out and live their lives? How did it change their lives? And then as I thought about the book of Acts, I thought about how incredible it is that we have this book. And so I, so I started researching, how did we even have this book? And in Acts chapter 1, the very, fir- the very first uh, verse, it's Luke writing to this Theophilus. And we don't even really know who this guy is. But he's writing this, and he puts all these books together, all these chapters together to encourage this other person. And I don't think at the time Luke even realized that 2,000 years later, halfway across the globe, we would still be reading this letter that he wrote to this one person. So you think about it. It was one person trying to encourage and help another person. And then it's affected millions and millions of people's lives. I think what we do sometimes when we think about our faith, we think about it as some grandiose thing. It's so big, and I don't know if I know what I need to know, and so therefore I don't do it, and somebody will encourage. But when we see the book of Acts, we see one person helping another person, and then it transforming really people's lives for thousands of years. Isn't that cool and amazing? Have you ever thought about that? If Luke doesn't take the time to write it down, if he doesn't write all these things down, we don't have them to read and encourage us. God had a plan for us, but it's through one person helping another person. It's, it wasn't big. It was just one letter written. And now we still read this letter. I can't wait when I get to heaven. I want to find out who Theophilus is. <laughs> who, who was this guy? Did, like, did you realize like, when you got this, did you realize how important that millions of people over time was going to read your letter? God, that just fascinates me. So then I think about our lives and how one person helps another person. Let me tell you the story, uh, the quick version of kind of of our life and as it pertains to our faith. Uh, So you probably know who Phil is. Phil's my father. Um, Phil is an interesting guy uh, for sure. Um, (laughs) He is, uh, he speaks boldly, he speaks a lot, and uh, he gets himself in trouble and us in trouble sometimes for stuff he says, and uh, so I have to deal with that. I never understood about my dad. My dad lives at the end of a dead-end street. He has no cell phone. He has no computer, all right? And somehow, he can get stuff out across the press no matter where. Like, it's amazing how he can get this stuff out. I'm like... How do you get these things out? Because you have no, you're not connected to technology at all. But somehow he gets uh, things he wants set out. Phil's an amazing guy. Um, it's been interesting uh, living with him and growing up and watching him share his faith. But I want to go back and tell you kind of where this guy was and how the transformation happened. My father grew up really poor uh, in northwest uh, Louisiana. Uh, close to where, yeah, where you're from, north of that. Up in the town of Dixie uh, is where he was uh, at. And my mom was from Ida, uh, and that's just north of Shreveport. And um, so he grew up really poor. They, uh, his dad was an oil field guy. My grandpa uh, broke his back, and they just didn't have a lot of money. It was, you know, tough times. We drink unsweet tea to this day because my granny said, they couldn't afford sugar, so everybody drank unsweet, and we still drink unsweet tea, uh, but that's where it came from. They were poor, and there were seven kids, and the only way out for my dad was through education, you know, to get out of where he was. He's a talented football player, baseball, everything, but he had a good arm, and so he got a scholarship to Louisiana Tech uh, to play football. Now, I don't know how good he was. I wasn't there, but 
Uh, I do know that his backup was Terry Bradshaw, and I do know that that guy was the number one pick in the NFL draft in 1970. So I don't know how good you have to be, but you have to be pretty good to start ahead of that guy. Bradshaw says to this day, if Phil would have been the same age and they both would have been there at the same time, Terry would have never played college football. He'd have never gotten a chance uh, to, to play. So this guy is talented. Uh, he has an arm, but he doesn't really have the knack for football. He, he just uses it to get this education that he wants. So he quits his senior year. He ends up getting his master's degree. He's really smart. He's sharp. He has his life ahead of him. They start a family, move to Junction City, Arkansas. Nobody's from Junction City, Arkansas. Okay. <laughs> I've told that a bunch of times. One person screamed one time. Uh, I think they just knew where it was. So he goes to Junction City. He's going to coach, um, you know, and, um, and just live the American life and um, out of his poverty. His life just starts going out of control. He's not a, doesn't have much faith in anything. Uh, he's abusive. He commits adultery. He cusses like a sailor. He drinks all the time. He gets fired from his job as a teacher, and then he has the great idea he's going to go lease a bar and sell alcohol. Uh, all this talent, all this stuff that was, was given him through his education, and he ends up at a bar. And um, there it really starts going downhill. At the bar, he, he drinks all the time. <laughs> he drinks, you know, he has the perfect job for, I think, what he wanted to do because he drinks all the time. He races people. He fights people. He has a raccoon that will fight your animal. Now, that's kind of cool of the story. <laughs> so you could bring your own animal to the bar. It could be a snake. It could be a dog. It could be a cat, a chicken. And it would fight the raccoon that my dad had trained to fight. So um, <laughs> that's redneck there. So. <laughs> So, even though the raccoon's cool, his life is out of control. He ends up getting in a fight with the bar owners, a couple, and puts them both in ICU in the hospital. State troopers show up to our trailer to arrest my father. He's gone. They say, where's Phil at? My mom says, he gone. And he goes and lives in the woods for four months. like we all would do, right? <laughs> you know, when the helicopter's over the woods, you know, there's a suspect, yeah, that's dad, he's in the woods. So mom ends up just leaving, saying, it's over. So she moves to Westmore, Louisiana, three boys, I was the youngest at the time, and uh, moves and really never knows if she'll see Phil again. He's probably gonna be dead. He will at least be incarcerated. And he just wasted everything. Just had nothing. So uh, a few months later, dad drags up because he never forgot a story that somebody told him. Dad's sister, my aunt, asked the preacher at, our church, at her church in West Monroe, she said, will you go up and talk to my brother and share with him the gospel? So the guy gets in a car, drives to the bar, and preaches to Phil. Phil's not having any of it. When he walked in, the guy, the preacher told me, actually, he said, when he walked in, Phil said, what you selling, preacher? He has a pistol. He has a big beer. And the preacher sits down at the bar and preaches Phil the gospel. Well, then after Phil was in the woods, alone, sin had just wrecked his life. And he thinks about what that preacher told him. There was some good news that was shared. One guy helped another guy. And Phil drags up to West Monroe, tears in his eyes. He said, Miss Kay, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus and I'm gonna make duck calls and we're gonna live on the river. <laughs> and I am so glad that he made that call because you gotta think about it. It directly changed the lives of us and his family. 
that little family right there, I knew nothing about Jesus Christ or even Christianity. But what I saw, the transformation in Phil's life, whatever it was, was really positive to me as a son. It was really positive to my mom. A life was totally changed. So you understand why I'm really into the transformation of people's lives because I saw it happen with my father. Now, had that not happened, I would have grown up in a totally different situation. I would not have known my father. There would be no duck commander. There would be no duck dynasty. I wouldn't know, probably wouldn't have met my wife, wouldn't have had my kids. So you see how this one change of one person helping one person changed that person's life, but now all of a sudden it's affecting other people's lives for the positive. So and if you carry this forward, there's no Duck Dynasty. Well, there's no TV show. There's no show that ends with a prayer that's broadcast all over the world. Now, millions of people's lives are affected. Families got back together. They sat at a dinner table. There was something positive in Hollywood. It wasn't filled with all the junk that we see on TV. It was a positive show. None of that happens. Last year, Sadie spoke. She told me two people on her tours, I think it was like 1.6 million people that she reached out to and talked to. Now, that's the granddaughter of the person whose life was transformed by Jesus. Does that happen? So all of our lives, we see this change by one guy, a preacher, got in a car, drove to a bar. We see this letter in Acts. One guy helping one person. So as we think about this transformation, guys, we can all do that. I never give up on anyone because it may be a guy like my father that somebody would have probably given up on. Because this is not go to somebody who was a famous guy or this is somebody, this is a guy who's a terrible person. Nobody could see that this guy, what this guy had in his life. That guy went and preached the gospel. God knew the power they can ha- that he was going to have. Because sometimes some of the best sinners make the best believers. <laughs> they really do. So when I hear about someone who's such a bad person, I'm thinking, man, if we could turn that around and they start doing good stuff, think about Paul. Where was that guy's life? He was a remarkable sinner. When we're talking about Christianity, he took it all the way to the death of Christianity. And then, bang, he stops in his tracks. What I love about Paul, I think sometimes then we're like, well, it's a process, and then it's going to take me a while. Paul, bang, okay, I get it. He is blinded for a while. (laughs) That'll, That'll straighten you up comes to the Lord, what I love about when Paul comes to the Lord, the next verse says he went to the synagogues and started preaching. (laughs) And everybody was scared of him, like, oh no. But that's how long it took him to get over where he was at. Immediately, bang, did that. So no matter where you're at in life, because so so you got to figure out where you're at in this story. What's your story? Where are you at? Are you away from the Lord? Are you with the Lord? Are you in the Lord, but you're not maybe doing anything? Maybe you're not real passionate about that. I know this. The message cannot be spread unless someone opens their mouth. (laughs) It doesn't just magically happen. We don't just live good lives. That preacher could have said, well, maybe Phil will see my good life and want to be like me. That was not going to happen. He had to get in the car and go to the bar and sit down and open his mouth. Somebody has to say something. I will tell you this story. Um, And I love the process. And I've got a couple of stories that are 
remarkable. I'll tell you this. One t- there was a guy. There was a guy that I was. Uh, I really wanted to preach to, and a uh, very wealthy guy. Wealthy people are the funnest people to try to get, you know, because they got everything. <laughs> They're rich, and they got everything, and everybody does what they say. And so, man, it's hard to get anything. You start talking about heaven, they're like, my life is heaven. <laughs> so there was a guy, and I really wanted to get after him, and he kind of had some health issues. And I got panicked, and I thought, I need to preach the gospel to this guy. This guy's going to die, and I'm never going to get the gospel to him. There's a mat here. This is so much more comfortable to walk on this mat. <laughs> Thank you for the mat. <laughs> I've been walking on the floor. <laughs> so there's this guy, and so I'm thinking, but every time I tried to share my faith with him, he, he was so guarded. You know, he had all these little things. He would say, he who had not sinned cast the first stone. <laughs> That's what he said, every time. So I would hear that, and I'm thinking, ah, he just didn't want any part of it just had all the walls built up and he was hard to get alone like he always had people around him and so so we're in this car one time we're in New York City we're driving we have a driver and we're in the back I finally had this guy alone I thought I'm going for it again I said how old are you Bill he said uh 58 he smoked like a freight train so I said well Based on your health problems, how you live, your age, I think you'll be dead in 15 years. And his eyes got this big. <laughs> and he, he didn't say, he who has not sinned. He didn't say that. He just looked at me. He said, I've never thought about that. I said, well, you better start thinking about it. You got about 15 years. He said, you think? I think I got longer than that. I said, I don't know. You, <laughs> you tell me how long you got. For the first time, he really started thinking about, I'm going to die. And he had money, so I said, and people are going to split your stuff up. People are going to take your stuff. Your kids are going to take this and your investments, your money. I said, what are you investing in after this life? Well, now he's really shook up. So we pull up to the hotel. He was in a room. I was in a room. He said, come to my room. I want to hear more about this. So I got my Bible, and I went to his room. I'm sitting there, he's smoking. He's like, you done got me shook up now. I said, yeah. (laughs) That's what'll happen. So I preached the gospel to him. It was the weirdest Bible study I've ever had. Because he said, you are so blanking right. I blanking need this in my blanking life. (laughs) (laughs) It was the most cuss words I've ever heard in a Bible study. So he stands up, and he goes, I'm getting baptized. And he calls out to his wife, and he says, hey, I'm getting baptized. She goes, oh, good. (laughs) He said, and you are too. (laughs) So we got two people. Well, we're in New York City. It's cold. I said, well, we'll we'll find some water somewhere. He said, no, 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 not right now, not right now. I got to tell everybody I know about this. Now, a guy like that knows a lot of people. So he, started, he emailed everybody in his email, everybody, every contact he had. So I kept calling, going, Bill, you racing? No, I'm still telling people. So I go down to his house. We finally set the date. I go down to his house. I'm going to baptize him. I pull up. There are tons of people. There are people from New York City. There are Jewish lawyers there. there I mean, people from California. It, it, there's just a massive amount of people to see Bill come to the Lord. I was like, unbelievable. So I get there, and Bill goes, preach him that sermon you told me. I said, all right. <laughs> so I get up and do my thing and preach. And then we started. Bill is baptized. Well, then the next guy walks in. He's got blue jeans on a shirt. He says, I'm in. Here comes another one. Here comes another one. 22 people that day got baptized. So 22 lives are changed. Probably there's more too. There was another guy there that I'm, I'm still, it shook him up. He was just happened to be there. He was like, I don't know, man, this is crazy. I said, yeah, it is crazy. 
one person helping one person in a car, finding out what finally got through that wall for him. Because he had everything set. He didn't want to hear it. Transformed his life. His wife, his kid, son-in-law, they all came to the Lord. It's been fun watching them now live a different life. I'll tell you another one. I was in uh, Kansas. I was in uh, Fort Scott, Kansas. Um, hey. <laughs> no Junction City, no Fort Scott. Are you kidding me? I love Fort Scott. So it's where my buddy Adam LaRoche lives, and Adam played baseball, and we've been business partners and best of friends for years. Uh, that's where he lives, and he's got a good hunting spot. So, um, so I was up to hunt with him, and Adam has this Bible study. It's one of these really fun Bible studies where, like, there's a couple people drinking beer. There's, like, it's a guy's Bible study. I was like, that's awesome. I'm sitting there listening. And there's a, there's a guy there, and he goes, man, I tell you, after the study, he said, I, I love this Bible study. I was going to a bar tonight, and I was going to try to find a girl to go home with, but I came to this Bible study, and I'm glad I did. And I thought, he's probably not where he needs to be with the Lord. <laughs> right? So I told Adam, I said, Adam, I said, um, I said, that, that guy that made that comment, I said, I, I want to talk to him about where he's at with the Lord. He said, yeah. So he tells him, and he says, yeah, you can come hunt my property, which is awesome. And uh, he said, I'll take you over there. And so I get in the truck with him. We're driving over. So I don't even have my Bible. I'm just, I just preach the gospel to him. I said, yeah, you made that comment about going to the bar and trying to get the girl and all that, which came the Bible study. I said, let's see if we can dig deeper and find out where you're at with the Lord. And so we start talking, and he's like, man, I, I'm... I'm not in the Lord. I ain't saved. I ain't so I preach the gospel to him. Pull up the hunting stand at the deer stand. And he goes, Willie, I want to get baptized. I said, okay. Um, go, I'll hunt and go find some water. And when, when we're done, we'll go. And he, it's 20 degrees in Fort Scott, Kansas. And he points at a cow patch pond. He said, there's a pond right there. I went, whoa. <laughs> I said, yeah, we can do that. It's cold. He said, I can handle it. And I said, all right. I said, well, I'll hunt, and then you will go in that cow pasture. <laughs> so he comes, he pulls up to get me. The good Lord put no deer in front of me. Was, I knew that was going to happen because if I'd have shot one, it would screw it up. Pulls up. He goes, I'm ready. And he brought me waiters, which I was like, oh, the, oh, the foresight you had to bring me waiters. We go down. He shucks down to his shorts. And we step in that thing. It is so cold. And then I didn't realize it's only this deep. <laughs> I mean, it's deep, but there's not a lot of water. Most of it is cow manure, okay? We drug out that thing. And I'm like, all right, you're going to put the Lord on right now. And I got him down to water. Where he, it was like, it was just mud, and I just shoved his face right in that mud. It was a dirty baptism. I'm telling you, that old boy came out of that water. It is like he saw the Holy Spirit, and he just started walking, running. I mean, he was so cold. He was red and muddy, dirty. <laughs> I was so excited. I got in the car, and I was shaking. I was like, that's what I'm talking about, and so... Well, when we hunt, I have a camera guy with me because we shoot it for TV. And I'm, I'm just so fired up. And I'm telling this guy, I'm like, that is what it's all about. And the camera guy looks at me and goes, I don't understand anything I just saw. <laughs> he said, what, what? He didn't even know. He said, can you tell me what you told him? Then I shared it with him. And he said, Willie, I want to get baptized. <laughs> I said, well... We can go back in the cow pasture, <laughs> or we can find a more suitable situation. So Adam had just built this new house. He had this giant bathtub. Now, if you baptize people in a bathtub, it's like frying a turkey. You got to, there's a water level. <laughs> so I bought him. I said, all right, I think we can do this without flooding the whole bathroom. And then he got baptized in the bathtub the next day. Um, so the boy that I told you, the boy that I baptized in the cow pasture, um, 
a year or so later, he said, man, I wish you'd preach this to my dad because he is so far from the Lord. I said, yeah, I'll sit down with him. I had one of these one-night specials. I had like an hour. I'll never see this guy again. So I had to get to the point quick. And he had his little lines, and he had his things. And I knew his life wasn't right because his sons were telling me he's a terrible guy. But he's telling me, oh, I'm fine. Oh, I'm a believer. Yeah. Seven years old, I came to the Lord. I said, how's it been since seven? <laughs> what was the old life like? What was five and six like? Because I, I know what 50 was like. So we got through, and I didn't even know. I thought, man, this guy, I just don't know if he's, if he's there. And I said, um, something kept telling me. He said, read Luke 14, cost of being a disciple. I just opened up, and I started reading. And uh, I said, are you ready to put away these things that you're doing, all this junk in your life, and live totally for Jesus? I thought the answer was going to be not like, uh. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to get baptized. So went up to the bathtub, again, like a turkey fryer, older guy, and his dad came to the Lord. So one person helping one person. So don't overthink this thing and think that you can't make an impact in people's lives. At some point, you just got to open your mouth. And let me tell you why people don't share their faith, Okay. Number one, I don't know enough. I don't know all the passages. Willie, you know all those passages. I don't know them. That holds people back. So what you can do is, one, you can just learn some of the passages. <laughs> I ain't the smartest guy in the world, okay? I got a non-certified PE degree. You know what that means? I have a physical education degree, but I'm not allowed to teach PE, okay? <laughs> That's how smart I am. So open your Bible up and read and study. Figure out where the passages are. There's, there's not that many in the New Testament where somebody was not in Jesus, and then they come to Jesus. Read the book of Acts. It's full of them. It's fascinating. So don't let that hold you back. Number two, I can't share my faith because... You don't understand how bad I've lived, so I'm not the guy to be telling somebody else about their life. <laughs> nice try, okay? Nice try when you're the worst person out there and you can't, you know. Not true. My dad was terrible. Think about Peter. The first sermon ever preached in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, preached by who? Peter. He got up and boldly was saying, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. By now on the cross, he preached the gospel. It's the same guy who just denied even knowing who he was. Same person. Can you imagine if you denied knowing who, what if you denied not being married, you denied even knowing your spouse? Like, Corey, I don't, who, I don't know who that is. It would take me 10 years of counseling to get over that one, okay? <laughs> Peter denied even knowing who Jesus was, and then in the book of Acts gets up and is preaching the gospel. Don't think that your past, don't let that hold you back. You use that and you say, yes, I was bad. Yes, I was a bad person, but my life has been transformed. And if that hasn't happened yet, then it needs to happen. I'm not giving you a break and saying, okay, because I saw my dad. It's a transformed life. So stop using that excuse. And the other excuse may be simply, you ain't living it. You're not really living it, so it's not going to make sense when you talk about it. Because what you guys have been talking about in Ephesians 3, when he says you're going to understand, you're going to have the capacity to say how high and grasp the love of Christ. Well, you can't understand all that space that he's talking about if there's not enough space in your heart because it's filled up with junk and sin. So that has to get out so that you can understand and have that power. The power is in the message of Jesus. That's the power. The power is not in you. You ain't got to be powerful. The message will do it. The message will do it. It wasn't the preacher. The preacher went and opened his mouth and talked to my dad, but the, the thing that transformed his life was the power of the gospel. That Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected. 
for our sins. Because just like Bill in the car, you're going to die. That's where the power is. You have the power. Paul prayed twice in Ephesians 3, as you've been reading that. Twice he mentions the word power. And he's praying that he hopes we realize the power that we have. That you've got the power. And you look up and you, you'll see the power be unleashed. You're like, this is insane. Yes, it's insane. That's the power of Jesus and the power of what he can do. So at some point, we've got to share that. Now you know why I love sharing that. Because I listen for the next story, for the next life that was changed. Alex was talking about his father, whose life was transformed, and he comes to the Lord. That's the high that I like. Nothing gets me more excited than that. Nothing can get me as high as that. Seeing lives changed. And then good replaces bad. And that's the power of the gospel. And I hope that we're always bold about that. People say, Willie, I'm so encouraged that you guys never, you know, slacked off in your faith and you became famous and all that. You understand now why. Because we would never would have been there were it not for our faith. So the last thing we're going to leave out is that. Now we just have a bigger platform. My goal, I was going to be a, I was in seminary. I was going to be a preacher <laughs> as a job. That's what I was going to do. And then Corey was going to college. So I dropped out of seminary and went to college with her. But I thought, man, I just want to preach one day. But I ended up going in the business world and selling duck calls. Ended up doing a show. And then guess what? Look what God worked out. I'm preaching here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. With a half a seminary degree. <laughs> with a non-certified PE degree. <laughs> and half of seminary. I've enjoyed talking to you. I hope that your life has been impacted, not by me, but some of the stories and what God has done through our family. Thank you guys for watching our show, supporting what we've done. I really do. And um, I don't know where you're at, and so you may be at that point. Today, there's, it's a baptism day, which I was excited about, because I was like, ooh, I want to talk about that. So it's a baptism day. There is a tank of water somewhere. I'm not familiar with the church building. I've only seen the backside of it. But you may need to make that life change. I want a lot of people to change today. Some people need to just shuck off. Some of the, you may be like my dad, and it's time. It's time for you to come to the Lord and put it off. Some of you may just need to reboot <laughs> and refocus and realize that this passion should be pouring out of your life as well for Jesus and what he's done for us. So whatever that is, and I'm going to pray for you guys. I know Alex is going to come up here and, um, to make that move. Father, we're so thankful to be in your presence. What a, just a wonderful group of people we have here in Tulsa. Father, these are my brothers and sisters, and I can't wait. In heaven, Father, we'll get to know each other better. And we'll tell stories, and I just want to hear all the stories about how you have transformed our lives. Father, I pray for someone here, Father, who needs to maybe make a life change. Some people for sure need to make a life change. Father, I pray that today is that day. This morning is that time. Father, I pray that they put you on in baptism, that you live in their heart, Father. Father, I pray that you change, fundamentally change people in this congregation today. Thank you so much for blessing us. Father, help us be bright lights everywhere we go. Through Jesus, amen. Thank amen. you, guys. Amen. Great job. Great job. Hey, put... Thank... Uh, thank Willie, if you will, and uh, great job, Willie. I want you just real quick, just... I'm not going to take long. I just want you to go back to that passage I began with a minute ago in Ephesians uh, 3. That verse 18 says, Paul says, I'm praying that you will know the love of God. And, and, and he goes on to say, basically, you can't know it, but I want you to know it. 
that, that he wants us uh, to understand it. And I love the NIV, which is where we titled this series, uh, Grasp. Because in the NIV, he says, I pray that you could grasp it, that, that you could uh, put your hands on it, that, that you can't uh, comprehend it, but you can apprehend it, right? And he wants you to grasp the ungraspable. He wants you to comprehend the uncomprehendable. And I, I just want to show you one more passage real quick on, on the screen. It's 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And, and it says that God showed how much he loved us. How? By sending his son into this world so that we might have eternal life through him. That is the basis of his love for us. He made the first move. We, we, we couldn't make the first move. We, we couldn't do that. He, he did it, right? You and I couldn't get up to heaven, so he came down to us. Look at the next verse, verse 10. He, he says, this is real love. And here's what I know about all of you at all of our campuses today. It doesn't matter what your background is and where you are in the world. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're in Egypt or Jordan today and Chicago and you're joining us. I know this about all of you. Even though I may not know your name, I know all of you crave real love because you were wired up by your maker to, to crave it. And he said, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us so much so that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away all of our sins. He sent his son. That, that, that means he's up here and we can't get there, right? So he came uh, down to us. We, we couldn't get up to him, so he sent him uh, to us. And, and you, you heard Willie talk about God has this high standard that he wants us to live up to. That's true. Romans 3.23 says we've all fallen short of the standard of God. We, we, we didn't make it on our own to the standard of God, the incredibly high standard of God. And, and because of that, and because of the way we've been conditioned in the world that we live in to think about love, we think, okay, I, I didn't make it and I fell short and I, and, and I can't get there. And so I've, I've got to somehow try to get back into the graces of God, into the good graces of God. And so we strive and we strive and we strive, but, but eventually you will come to the point, our prayer, is that you will come to the point, Paul's prayer, is that you will come to the point where you realize I can't. And you grasp how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God toward you. And, and so here's what God did. He, he didn't say, okay, they can't make it. I, I, I'm gonna lower the bar. I'll just lower the standard so that they can get over it. That, that's not what he did. He did not lower the standard. He, he was up there. We couldn't get there. So he came down to us. Another way to explain it in that verse is the word give, that he gave us his son. His son is a gift. The word give is, is related to the word gift. And a high, high love is that type of love that says, I'm gifting you something. I'm giving it to you. What, what do you do to get a gift? What's the answer to that? Nothing. You, you don't do anything to earn a gift, right? Because if you did something to get it, it's not a gift. It's a reward. We don't do anything to earn a gift. And we can't, by the way, earn the, the love of God. There's no amount of good that you and I can stack up that somehow we could climb up on that would get us high enough to get to God. There's no amount. And the power of God's love is so high and so big that, that he gave us a gift in the person of Jesus. And today we're praying you'll receive that gift. Every head bowed, every eye closed across all the campuses this morning. Today, if you're here and you know the Lord, you're praying with me already. You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're, you're praying already for people all around you, men and women and boys and girls. And today, if you would say to me, hey, Pastor Alex, I'm gonna ask the campus pastors to come and stand on the stage as well. And you say, hey, Pastor Alex, I know for sure that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I got that settled. I know that I know that I know. 
when Willie talked about that salvation that transformed his dad's life, I've seen a transformation in my life. Jesus has changed my life. I know he's my Lord and I know he's my Savior. If that's you at every campus, would you just raise your hand and let me see it? Put it up. Thank you. Hallelujah. That that many hands can go up and this number of campuses. You know what that means? A man that died 2,000 years ago is still changing lives today. Some of you didn't raise your hand and I I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to point you out, but I do want to pray for you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Alex, I don't know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I don't have a transformed life. He's not walking with me and talking with me. He's not my Lord. He's not my Savior. I don't know. Maybe I prayed a prayer when I was seven years old. Maybe I, 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 like that guy Willie was talking about, or maybe I filled out a card or walked down an aisle or I got into baptistry, but there's no life change in my life. Jesus is not my Lord. He's not my Savior. I don't know for sure if I died today that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? If that's you, you just say, Pastor, I don't know, but, but I would like for you to include me in that prayer at every campus. Would you just raise your hand? and say, that's me, I I, I don't know. Just slip it up across the room and just say, I I don't know, Pastor, I don't know. At every campus, just slip it up. Hands are popping up here at Battle Creek. I'm sure they are at Midtown and Downtown and South Tulsa and Owasso and and Jinx and Chicago and Jordan and Egypt. Anybody else? Pray for me. You're gonna pray? Include me in that prayer because I, I don't know that Jesus is my Lord or my Savior. Just slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up and say, that's me. Pastor, include me in that prayer. Anybody else? Nobody looking except for me. Just just lift your hand up. Just slip it up. I'm not going to drag it out. I want to pray for you. Anybody else? You're about to close and you're about to pray. Include me in that prayer. Slip it up, okay? Okay. Anybody else? That's what I want. Okay. All right. The front and the back, everywhere in between. Father, I pray right now for everyone sitting under the sound of my voice at all of these campuses this morning that the same Holy Spirit would be moving. Moving in and among every row every seat and every heart and every life and we pray today for salvation to spring up out of the ground into men's lives and women's lives and boys lives and girls lives so if you're here today and you want to trust Christ you want to give your life to Jesus I I want to lead you in a prayer helping you come to Christ I'll pray it one phrase at a time so that you can simply repeat it after me. I don't want you just to repeat it after me. I want you to pray it and talk it to God. And I want you to do it out loud. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I want to help you do that. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. I want to help you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So at every campus, right where you're seated, I want you to pray after me and just say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Today I ask you to forgive me for all my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin and I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. Thank you, Jesus that you were not embarrassed or ashamed of me. But you died on that cross, naked, in that public space, for me. Help me to not be ashamed of you. Now, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, you prayed it and you meant it with all of your heart, you you gave your life to Jesus this morning. I want to know about it. Nobody looking except for me. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I just prayed that and I meant it with all of my heart. Just just slip your hand up all across the room and say, that's me. I I, I meant it at every campus. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I just prayed that. I meant that with all of my heart. Just, Just slip it up high so that I can find it. These lights are bright in my eyes. Just slip them up. I'm seeing hands go up in every section at every campus. Just slip your hand up. The campus pastor 
those are there. Just slip it up and say, I meant that with all of my heart. Jesus died for me. He died on that cross for me. I, I meant that. And I just gave my life to Jesus Christ. Just slip your hand up and let me see it. At every campus. Now, here's what I want you to do. If your hand just went up, would you just raise it again and, and so I can see all of them at one time? At every campus, just help the campus pastors out. Just slip your hand up, okay? Uh, over here and over here and over here. At every campus, just slip it up. Now, there's, you can put them down. There's one more thing I want to say to you. Willie talked about baptism quite a bit. You know, baptism is just a picture of what happened in your heart, but it's the first step of obedience that happens in your life when you give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you just gave your life to Christ, then, then your next step is baptism. But there are others of you who already gave your life to Jesus Christ. And for whatever reason, you, you've not taken that step of obedience with the Lord. And I would like to pray for you. At every campus, you say, that's me. Baptism is my next step. Would you just raise your hand and let me see it? I'd love to pray for you. At every campus, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need to be baptized. Just include me in that prayer. I see children and adults and senior adults and young men and women. Just, just slip your hand up and say, that's me at every campus. Father, I pray right now for all of those who just lifted their hand to say baptism is their next step. I pray that you'd give them the courage to take their step. And they would obey you in that step. But Father, e even by being baptized, they get to preach the gospel without even saying a word. By going under the water and coming out, it's a picture of what you did on that cross and in that grave and through your resurrection. It's a picture of what you've done in our lives. And we get to preach the gospel by simply being baptized. And I pray, Father, they would take that step. And for all of us, whatever our next step is, I pray you would help us do just that.